When was the last time you gave back to your community or even your world? It's a need we all have as human beings, and today I have on a guest who is an activist and my co-founder of the nonprofit The Little Market. If you're looking for ways to give back, she has some amazing insight on how to get started. I've seen so many people living in such horrific conditions. The only thing I know how to do is come up with a solution. So, you know, when most recently families were being separated at the border and terrible things were happening right here in our backyard, for me, it's just what's something we can do. From our conversation, you'll learn how to start giving back tips to stay positive in difficult situations, and some of the hilarious and inspiring moments that ensue while working in this field. Welcome to Lauren Conrad Asking for a Friend. Today, my guest is Hannah Scavarla. She is an activist, good human, and co-founder of the nonprofit The Little Market. She has worked with Human Rights Watch, and during her time there, she traveled with them to Burma, Congo, Colombia, Thailand, and Turkey. Hannah has visited projects sponsored by Landmine Survivors Network in Vietnam and Cambodia, American Jewish World Services in El Salvador, and CARE in Uganda. These trips inspired Hannah to dedicate her life to helping women break the cycle of poverty so they could create a better future for themselves and their families. In 2013, we co-founded The Little Market, a nonprofit fair trade shop featuring ethically sourced products that are made by artisans around the world. Hannah lives in L.A. with her husband, Ryan, daughter, Leora, and son, Luca. So as you can tell, she's an amazing human. I'd like to tell the story of how I met Hannah back in 2005. I had just, I, I did a semester of school in San Francisco. I didn't last there very long. So I transferred to FITM, which is the... Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. I wanted to go to the L.A. campus, but I had to do first a semester in Orange County. So I had come home. It was really hard. All my friends went back to school, and I stayed, and I was feeling a little bit lonely. I also was still in the first few months of my first show, Laguna Beach, coming out. It was a really weird time in my life. It was, you know, the first time I was being recognized. I felt really self-conscious when I would go into, you know, a group of people that I didn't know. So when I started going to school at the Orange County campus of FITM, I didn't know anybody there. I would eat lunch in my car because I was I didn't really know anybody and I, I was really shy. So um, I kind of kept to myself. I was just really focused on studies. And I met Hannah because she was the first person in my class to come up and invite me to come to lunch with her. And that really is who Hannah is. I think that she's always just looking to be to be kind to people. Um, I also like to remember her that way because she had like this really punky hairstyle and multiple facial piercings and lots of eyeliner. And if you know her today, that just is so far <laughs> from how she looks. Um, but it's like my favorite way to remember her. That's my friend Hannah. You'll hear from our guest in just a minute. But first, I'm going to tell you about our sponsor. With stress and anxiety, many people can often feel exhausted during the day, but when it's time to go to bed, they just can't seem to fall asleep. If worry is affecting your days and nights, it's probably also affecting your overall health. That's why we're partnering with Calm, the number one app to help you reduce your anxiety and stress and help you sleep better. More than 40 million people around the world have downloaded it. If you head to calm.com slash Lauren, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes 
guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, including a brand new meditation each day, and a library of sleep stories designed to help you relax and exclusive music tracks for focus, relaxation, and sleep. Right now, Asking for a Friend listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash lauren. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash lauren. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash lauren. Get calm and stop stressing. All right, let's get into the conversation with Hannah. So I have lots of questions, and I they're honestly mostly about nonprofit work and just the little market. So I the first thing I want to do is ask for you to describe to anyone who might not be familiar with it what the little market is. Okay. The little market is a nonprofit store that we co-founded, and every single item we sell is handmade, and the goal is to create job opportunities for women in need all over the world. So every item has a story behind it about the person who made it. Um, and they're typically items that wouldn't already be in in our marketplace. That was beautifully done, Hannah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I'll just jump right into it. So you and I obviously have worked together for five years on the little market. We launched back in October 2013. Is that right? Yep. All right. And it is a nonprofit. So when I reached out on social media to get people's interest, a lot of people just asked about how to get involved in nonprofit work. What would you say to them? I think it's really important for people to figure out what it is they're passionate about. Um, So if you love animals or you love dog rescue, then you can look for local opportunities to get involved and volunteer um, and see if that's something that you enjoy doing and enjoy spending your time that way. Um, I think if you care about something like human rights, then you can look for more global opportunities or even local groups that are working on local issues. So that's something that's really important about your story is that you worked for Human Rights Watch for a while. What was your experience like there? Like, what what do you think is the biggest takeaway? They taught me so much. You know, I, to me, they're really the premier human rights organizations. They operate in over 90 countries, and their goal is to investigate and expose human rights abuses and create change. Um, so, for example, they were actually the first to report on the Rwandan genocide. But while I was working with them, what I realized was for them, credibility was everything. Um, Fact-checking was everything. Um, they would never put anything out without making sure it was absolutely correct. And everything was at, you know, just truly top standard. And so I think then when we started The Little Market, I had that as my example. And it was so great because it meant, um, well, unfortunately, at the beginning, it meant that it took me forever to write an email because (laughs) I was so nervous. I wanted everything to be perfect. And now, you know, now that's easier. But it really set the standard for how, how to run a nonprofit, how to be so thoughtful with every single penny you spend um, and how, how to do everything ethically. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that people really value transparency. And I think that if you are really diligent about fact checking and making sure you're only putting out information that you know to be true, that it's much easier to be transparent. You're not making those mistakes. You're not being careless with information. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I mean, also during my time with them, as you know, I got to travel a lot and oftentimes then I'd come home and tell you about the stories, tell you about things I saw. I think that's part of what got both of us so excited to be able to find a unique way to give back. Um, For every nonprofit, one of the biggest challenges is fundraising. Um, And I think that was something, again, that we were really excited about with the little market is that it's always been the goal that the rather than needing to rely on fundraising, you know, people are already shopping. 
Um, so now we're giving them a place where they can shop and feel good about every purchase and know that that's actually, when you're shopping at the Little Market, it's like giving to charity, but you're able to give a gift both to the person who made it and also to the person you're actually giving the gift to. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I always really liked that, I, that we're not necessarily asking a favor of someone. We're just asking them to redirect business that they would be putting elsewhere. We work really hard to create you know, a selection of goods that we feel good about and that we would personally shop. So it's not like you're really, you're just saying like, here are things you would already buy, arguably more unique pieces, um, but you can do this and there's, a, you know, there's good behind it. So what do you think, I've actually never asked you this question, but what do you think is the most surprising thing you've learned from your experience of the last five years of running Little Market? Like, what was the thing that surprised you the most that you were just like, wow, I didn't see that coming? That's, I don't know. That's a tough one. My first thought is that um, recently, Caitlin, who's our executive director and also a member of the uh, board member of the Fair Trade Federation, just went to an annual conference and they went through and had done all this research on what topics and what buzzwords resonate to people when it comes to fair trade and shopping in a way that gives back. And for me, that concept of leaving, alleviating poverty and breaking the cycle of poverty seems so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what inspired us to do this is we felt like, you know, we always talk about rather than giving a girl a fish, um, you're teaching them to fish with the mm-hmm. little market. You know, you're really giving them an opportunity. They already have the skill set. Now they just have access to shoppers. Um, and so because that inspired me so much, I was surprised to hear that that doesn't always resonate with shoppers. Yeah. I, I mean, that's why we're you and I are constantly trying to retell the story. And it's why, like, you can so beautifully open this interview with that is because you've said it so many times. Is I think it's actually very confusing to people that we are both a store and a nonprofit right. when really it's just the simplest model of we're just redirecting, you know, what the store makes back into investing in artisans. Right. But yeah, I mean, we have, yeah, we have close friends that like until recently still didn't really grasp the concept. And I think that's... I mean, it's funny to us because we're like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's so simple, but it's why we're always retelling the story. Well, and I think so much of what um, the little market's about is so intuitive to us because we, you know, we created it. It was it, we created it because we believed in these things. Um, and so I think one of the exciting things is so many of them are now things people care more about than they did five years. So even, you know, just, you know, eco-friendly practices is our big part of our commitment um, and I think now more than ever, people really understand how important it is to buy things that are made with the environment in mind. Now, do you think – I know this is terrible to call, like, eco-conscious products a trend. <laughs> but do you think that it's also a result of there being more appealing options? Yeah, I think so. I also think, though, that the younger shoppers really understand the power of their purchase um, and I also think that um, they understand that they're going to be the ones who have to deal with the worlds. And, you know, and if there's more plastic in the ocean than fish in the sea in 20 years, that's going to be no more sushi of, for you. Yeah, more of their <laughs> problem than ours. So I think that that really motivates that generation to care more. And I also think actually in that same at that same time, it means that, you know, we care more about it than ever because we want our kids to be able to swim in the ocean and our parents care for that same reason. So I think... I think also now that the impacts of the environment are so visible, I think people care more. Well, do you think – yeah, I think they're more visible, I mean, because they're actually more visible. But also we just – because of social media and images that can be – I mean, 
I want to say an image doesn't lie, but sometimes images are <laughs> photoshopped. But a lot of times, like, it's just when you see something, it's hard to to argue with it. Right. So maybe it's also just that where you're like, no, no, this is this is bad. We have to do something. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I also think one of the trends that I'm really excited about now is just investing in women in general. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing more women-led businesses than ever. Um, and part, you know, the little market, our tagline forever was, you know, a nonprofit founded by women to empower women. And it really is about empowering women by investing in them, you know, so rather than giving micro loans or that sort of thing where the women have to pay them back, we're buying the products upfront at a fair price. So they're able to immediately have a source of income. Um, And I think it's so exciting to see more companies and just in general people investing in women. Yeah, I think, yes. I obviously agree with this, and I, it's a change that I love to see. Um, it seems like an obvious one to me, especially in large companies. When you think of like at least fifty percent of the consumers are women, why, why not have a woman up there like voicing her opinion? Okay, this one's a more fun question. Okay, what of all of our trips we've taken for Little Market? What was your favorite trip? I don't know. I mean, I always, I think every trip we've been on has been fun for a different reason. I think. <laughs> I think um, Bali was kind of like our first adventure. And you're when you're in Bali, you're so far from home. Everything's mm-hmm. foreign. Um, the marketplaces are so spectacular that I think that that was a really fun trip for that reason. I think Thailand was fun in a completely different way. Um, not only was the food delicious, um, it's so, so beautiful there. It was crazy hot when we went. I forget about that. And then I remember that when we would leave for the day, we would bring a change of clothes. Do you remember this? Yeah, because you'd sweat through them. <laughs> And because we're, like, taking photos the whole time and the makeup we would put on would just, like, melt off in five minutes. We had to, like, embrace that glow. (laughs) Yeah, that that got a little gross. And then do you remember the train track market we went to where, like, the train would fly through? That was crazy. Yeah, and all the hot food out. So much hot fish. That was I remember when we got there, Yoni, Yoni, our photographer, Yoni, who travels with us on these trips, I remember he turned and looked at me. How hot do you think it was? It was like 90, a dry. I don't no, know. no, no. It was at least a hundred. It was okay. hot. It was like a hot, dry heat. And he like turned. And he's like, you know what I always think when I'm this hot? I wish there was more fish around because <laughs> it just smelled like hot fish. It was so gross. Yeah, he, he was a trooper. Yeah, was a trooper. Oh man, I think actually, I mean, I I love all of our trips, but I think my favorite trip might have been our trip to Africa, which is when we obviously came up with the concept for the little market. I mean, it was Africa. It was amazing. And we, you know, while we were there, we got to see, you know, we got to go on safari and we just kind of got to go all over. And it was a really long trip, which was great. Um, I also think personally, I was like, that was right after I'd met William. And we like had our like long emails back and forth throughout the whole time. So maybe I just sort of like romanticized that time. Yeah, because I remember I was engaged at that time. And I don't know if we had invited him as your plus one, I yet. knew him for two weeks before okay, okay. we I'm left. Trying to get the timing right. We had no, but we. I asked you to hold a spot for him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you hold knew. a spot for him. I think I'm going to ask him, but I got to wait like a month or two. <laughs> one of the things I, th- I mean, I always, I don't know why. My mom's always like, I don't think people know all these things about Lauren. I love your mom. <laughs> yeah, she has a whole list. Um, but one of them that I think no one would probably know is that Lauren's like really street smart. When we were in Uganda, we were in our car, and all of a sudden there was a traffic jam, oh. and we look up. And there's a full-on riot, and there's a man with a gun waving it at the crowd probably two cars away from us. And I just sat there stunned and frozen. Lauren was immediately on the ground, pulled me down so that we'd be out of 
I don't know right, what you'd call that out of. He was there. Hannah. He was standing on the car in front of us, and he was he was swinging a gun. He was swinging. You a hit gun. the you hit the ground. No, you hit the ground. I no, stood I know. There. I'm telling oh. you, in that oh. situation, you hit the ground. <laughs> Nothing. Do you remember though that our tour guide? It like he didn't even flinch. He was like, "Let's get around this." Yeah, he wasn't so worried. Yeah. But I do remember that you then used that story to scare William via email. Oh, I did. Oh, because he had said, bold move. <laughs> yeah, just to make sure he was a little bit worried about you. Oh, maybe I just wanted to think I was tough. I don't know. Either way, that's funny. I would do that. So, yeah, so that trip, obviously, we had a lot of – we also had, like, the crazy run in – do you remember I had a bat in my room and it was, yeah. like, dripping blood? Yes. And I had to come sleep with you and Ryan and I can we confused everybody at the hotel. They were like, why are they all rooming together? It's so weird. Yeah, two beds, but – Oh, anyways, that was an amazing trip, but I – I loved all of the all of the groups we got to visit and just I, I remember this specific moment. I remember the exact moment when we came up with the concept for Little Market was when we were on our way to go see a group and we were on like a really bumpy dirt road and we were talking about it and we were like, oh, this like it it kind of combines all of our interests and our strengths and we love this the idea of being able to help you know, a countless amount of people. Then I remember taking notes and my notes looked crazy because the road was so bumpy, but I was like trying to write it all down. And I just always will have that moment in my mind of us being like, this could be, this could be something really great. And it's so exciting that it, it actually happened. Well, I think the other thing that's different about those trips is, you know, when we went to Bali, that was just for fun. But when we went to Africa, it was because you had said, I want to see the work you're doing. You know, I want to, I want to meet you know, I'm going to meet with the women at these nonprofits, hear what they need firsthand. I think, you know, you're really solution-oriented. You wanted to get there and see it. So we went to meet with nonprofits focusing on women and children. And I remember my big idea behind that at that time was, you know, it's so it's great that now it's something people talk about, the lack of um, menstrual care for women all over the world and how it really affects women and girls. And it means that on average in these um, – underserved communities that a girl with her period is out of school for a week that month, you know, and doesn't even know what's happening. And, and it really sets, it's just one of the many things that set women back. So I remember, you know, I was like, okay, what if Lauren could do a Tampax ad? This was my big (laughs) idea. And then, you know, instead of getting paid, she would give all the money to charity and she'd help raise awareness for this. Um, And so we, we met with all these nonprofits and I thought what was so cool was at the time you knew you said, I don't want to do a one-off campaign. I don't want to partner with a nonprofit that just works in this one community. Um, by, if we do this online marketplace, then there's no limit to how many women we can help. Um, and we're really helping them help themselves. Um, and I just thought that that was kind of just sums you up in that you're very solution-oriented. You think really big and you want to help people, but you also believe in people and think that, you know, let's just give them the tools they need to take care of themselves. Thanks, Anna. That was really nice. I still like that tampon idea, though. Let's circle it's back. It's not too late. I know. Yeah, I just – and it always comes back to, like, you know, girls helping girls. And I remember one of the visits we went to was um, that school for girls. And and I'll never forget this. We asked – you know, they, they let us ask questions after they kind of talked about the school. And we said, if you could, if you could ask for something, what would you like? Do you remember what they said? Was it mattresses? They said the garden? mattresses, vegetables, and water. And I just like that'll always stick with me because it's such a simple ask. And remember, they said that there was no well on site, so they had 
It was something wild. It was like a round trip of like four hours to go get fresh water every day. By the time they got home, it had it would be dark, but they didn't have electricity to study, so it affected them. And at the end of our trip, right before we left, it started to rain, which meant they didn't need to make the trip that day. And I remember all of these girls like dancing in the rain so happy. And it was like such an amazing moment. And I think it was really a motivating moment for me personally, just saying, like, okay, we have to do something. Like, you want to help as many people as possible. Like, this is – what what these girls are asking for is so basic and just things that we take for granted. I mean, I, I've never thought to ask for vegetables, like, especially as, like, a child, being like, I would like more vegetables. Yeah, so that was, that was something that always stuck with me just from the beginning. Yeah, I think it's um, – unless you see it up front um, – it's hard to imagine your basic needs not being met. Um, I know. Well, listen, it makes me feel fortunate, and I'm I feel so lucky that we've been able to create a platform to help people. But I, at the, you know, at the same time, it's just always there, kind of reminding me like there's more you can do. Which actually brings me to my last question. One thing that you are really good at is, and you know, you you've worked with lots of different organizations, and you've seen some really horrible things, but you are also one of the most positive people that I know and one of the happiest people. And I think that's really hard to balance. And I've personally always struggled with this. You know, like I just don't, I don't handle it as well when we go on a trip, whether it's visiting an orphanage or, you know, just seeing something that's really hard to take in. Um, it, it, I mean, it just affects me for days and weeks. And you you've always just had the attitude of like, okay, well, what are we going to do to help? Like, let's fix this. And you've always been really positive. What advice would you give to people that, you know, that they want to do something, but they want to like, you know, get happiness out of it, I guess? Yeah. um, I think that that is such a huge challenge for people. I think for me, I definitely feel like I'm desensitized. I've I've seen so many um, people living in such horrific conditions um, that the only thing I know how to do is come up with a solution. So, you know, when most recently families were being separated at the border and terrible things were happening right here in our backyard, for me, it's just what's what something we can do, what's something we can call in our community do. Um, and that's why it was so great for us to be able to collaborate with This Is About Humanity to create both a candle and a bag where we would match the sales um, and donate the donate to charities that are helping these, these families. Um, and to date, we've raised $30,000 for those communities. Um, and that's, for me, that's how I kind of pivot and deal with the darkness and the sadness. Um, you know, you know, I've gone down to the border twice now, and those have actually been some of the hardest trips I've ever done. Yeah. Even though I've seen terrible things all over the world, I think it's there's something about it being in our backyard that makes it so much harder to process. You know, when when we're driving into Tijuana and you see children being trafficked, and it's 10 a.m. and it's two hours from our house, we just left home. You know, that's really hard to shake. So I think that, again, you know, no matter what cause it is that you want to get involved in, figure out how you want to contribute. So, you know, if it's you want to help raise funds, you want to help raise awareness, you want to be there volunteering on the ground, you want to pack meals, all of that matters and all of that's important. Um, I love the saying that everybody has time, talent, or treasure to give because I think it's so true. I think all of us can carve out more time to give back. Um, and I think it's just finding what you're passionate about and find, finding what feels good. You know, if, if the work's too heavy and it's taking a real toll on you, then that's probably not the right fit. But however you decide to give back, it, it's going to make a difference. 
Yeah, I like that saying too because I think there's different value for each person. Some people have, you know, are, are really uh, fortunate and they have funds to give. Other people have a talent that they can share, and and for them, it's much more valuable for them to share that than to donate. You know, time. Uh, you know, volunteering, kind of doing different work. I. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And it's sort of like the idea of like, do something that you really care about and use whatever value you have um, to make a difference. And I, I went on one of the trips with you to This Is About, or with This Is About Humanity. And yeah, that was, I mean, that one's still with me. That was really, really difficult, especially the children that we spoke to. I mean, we were, what, maybe 40 people on that trip. Mm-hmm. And it, I've, I don't, I can't remember the last time I sat like I was with a group of 40 people and everybody was just openly crying. And that was really, really difficult um, to take in. And again, like that's why I'm like I have to just do like, you know, I can't do those kind of trips too often because it's so hard, especially anything that affects children. You know, that's become so much more real. I mean, you know it's so much more real after you become a mother. Um, but yeah, that that was – I mean the work they do is amazing. Those girls are are awesome. But yeah, that that is a hard one. <laughs> Yeah, I think you and I have talked about this a lot, but just, you know, I think we always cared about women and children, but once you become a mom, it's a whole other thing. And to really not be able to be able to provide the basic needs, like you said, water, vegetables, a mattress for your kid um, is something that so many moms all over the world are dealing with, and that's their everyday reality. Um, and I think for us, you know, that's what motivates us to figure out how we can help them have an income for themselves, you know, help them rise above poverty and break the cycle for their families so that wanting vegetables and access to water isn't a wish list item. You know, how do you how do you change that for them? You'll hear more from our guest in just a minute. But first, I'm going to tell you about our sponsor. Ritual Essential for Women is the multivitamin reimagined. We all do our best to keep our bodies healthy. But even if we try really hard to eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, we're still most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Enter Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Ritual was founded by CEO Kat, who was pregnant and looking for a vitamin she could trust. When she realized that a clean, effective vitamin for women didn't exist, she decided to create her own. She met with top scientists, and through their research, they built a better vitamin, one made with the nine essential nutrients most women don't get enough of from their diet alone. They took every woman's genetic makeup into account, using ingredients from trusted sources in the right dosages and in the best forms that our bodies can actually use. Ritual is traceable and transparent. And for you obsessive label readers, all of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are out there for you and the whole world to see. A subscription is easy to start, and it's easy to snooze. It's only a dollar a day to have all of the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month, no strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essentials for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com asking to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com asking.
Okay, let's get back to the conversation. So now that you know a little bit more about Hannah, we're going to take some questions from you. We will talk about how to start a nonprofit, how nonprofit employees make a salary, and advice for how to work with your best friend. Can't wait. This one's really simple, and I think a lot of people are confused by this, but this is uh, from Noelle. She said, how do you pay yourself when you have a nonprofit? Hi, Noelle. <laughs> um, that's a great question. It's different for every nonprofit. I think some, you know, some founders make themselves executive directors and then they take a salary. Um, but for Lauren and I, it was really important from the beginning. We were starting this to help people and to give back. Um, and because we do have the commerce side of it, we wanted it to be really clear that we weren't trying to sell items made by people in need for us to personally profit from them. So we, we are an unusual nonprofit and that Lauren and I don't pay ourselves. So... It's different for everybody is your answer. And it, I I should know this having co-founded a nonprofit, but um, are you able to look that up? If you like if you're interested in supporting a nonprofit, can you see like what people pay themselves? Yes. Yeah, so as a nonprofit, um, transparency is everything. So people can look up um, salaries. I think it's any salary above one hundred thousand dollars is public knowledge at a nonprofit. That's great. I like that. This is actually I meant to touch on this before, but we just got so deep in in. Uh, or other conversation. But Isra says, do you ladies disagree on things in work? If so, how do you resolve it without one feeling hurt or taking it personal? That's a great question. It is a good question. And we we do disagree on things in work. But I this is what I love about you as a partner is I, I feel like we're really civilized about how we discuss it. I think we're really lucky because we have such different backgrounds that I I trust you on certain stuff and you trust me on certain stuff. And I think we've gotten to the point where we're pretty open where, like, if you feel really strongly about something, I'm like, okay, go for it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think I, I feel like I say this a lot, but I feel like bringing new product on and all of kind of the visual aesthetics of the little market, I kind of I feel like you've been so heavily involved. And I still always, like, even if you're not there when we're designing a product or Picking something I have in my head, like, would Lauren put this in her house? Or, you know, I kind of run things past that test. (laughs) I think that um, I don't feel like we really argue. I think sometimes, like you said, we each feel strongly about something. And if the other person feels really strongly, then we just go with that because it's not worth arguing. Yeah. I think, I I don't know, when I wanted to do the store for a long time and you were like, it's going to be really hard. I don't think, I don't know, it's going to be really (laughs) hard. And now we're seven months in and I'm like, it's really hard. She was right. (laughs) Um, but I think you still trusted me to do it, which was great. Um, and I do think it's really important for us to have a physical brick and mortar where people can touch and feel things. I think both of us too are really data driven. So it's like, if the numbers are there and something makes sense, then we'll do it. Yeah, I, that's true. I love numbers. I think that, especially when you're running a business, so many times, like, the customers will tell you what they want and don't want. It's mm-hmm. right there. Like we we're so lucky to live in a time where like data is everywhere and I love it. And I I do this constantly in meetings where they're like trying to make a decision between two things. I'm like, well, either put it on the internet and ask or like look up what she like what did she vote for last time? Right. Like look at hist- look at selling history. Selling history will tell you everything. Um not necessarily about a gain customer, but like about the customer you already have, the loyal customer. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. I we do love numbers. Well, and I think both of us 
value time so much Mm -hmm. that we don't want to do anything that's not a good use of time. And we also value our nonprofit's resources, so we never want to do anything that's not the best use. And so I think that makes decision making a lot easier. It's just, is this going to, what's this going to do for for the women we're trying to support? So this next question is kind of a loaded one. So I would say you obviously can't answer all of this, but just sort of give like a good idea. Ashley wanted to know about starting a nonprofit as in the paperwork, legal, networking, ideas for raising money, getting interest type of stuff for nonprofits would be helpful and interesting. Did that make sense? Yeah. She just basically wants to know, like, when when you're like, hey, I want to start a nonprofit, like, what does that process look like? You know, big picture. I know there's a lot of paperwork. Yeah, there's a lot of paperwork. Um, I would say one of the other things that maybe would be a good idea is always just research, just like anything else, who else is doing similar work, um, because maybe it's better to collaborate than to start something new so you're not competing for the same funds for the same cause. And then I think like anything else with networking, You know, animals are always the easiest example, but if it's dog rescue that you care about, start to to know other people in that community so that you can start finding out who else already cares about that and then who else is already, as far as fundraising, who's supporting that, What you know, who. It's really funny. I hope my mom doesn't get mad at me for saying this, but my mom (laughs) recently started a dog rescue. And it's really interesting, the rescue community, like it is sort of competitive because you're right, they're they're competing for funds and everyone, because it's the decisions you make, they're literally life and death. Mm -hmm. So it's like really hard decisions and everyone feels differently. Apparently, there's a lot of drama between the cat and dog folk which I didn't know about. I was like, oh, man. But it is interesting. Like, you would think a lot of times in in charity, and you and I have come across this, you think it would just be, like, the best people because you're like, oh, they're they're donating their lives to, to charity and doing good. But a lot of times it's, like, some of the most competitive people I've ever met. It's really interesting. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think that's part of why our model, we get to stay away from the fundraising side, which is such a relief because it's such – it's just such a different world. Um, and yeah, if if you have one cause and everyone's asking the same donors for the same money, it's really tricky. And you did you did fundraising, right? With with yeah, the, that was part of what I did at Human Rights Watch, mostly oof. around events. Yeah, but it's yeah. really hard. It is really hard. Yeah. Okay, and then the last question is my question. Great. You're, I didn't I didn't send it in on social media, but it's coming at you. I want to know where you think our next little market trip will be. Well, that's a great question. Um, well, given that our next trip will be unless next year, yeah, next year, well, no um, one's having any more babies. <laughs> yeah, that's that's done. I I don't know. Part of me thinks Haiti. I think with you know with little kids at home, you don't want to go as far away. Mm-hmm. Um, and Haiti's relatively close, and there's so much need there um, that I think that could be a really fun and, trip. And we have a group there. We do have one artisan partner already there, and we're always looking for more. Yeah, looking for more. Oh, I hope it's Haiti. I love that idea. Yeah. All right, I can't wait. Maybe Jill will come. I'll start. I'll start packing now. <laughs> I'll start a count. I have a countdown on my phone for like all these things coming up. I know. I'm just really looking forward to it. Well, Hannah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and to my wonderful guest, Hannah Scavarla. I hope you learned some tips on how to start giving back and making a difference in your community. For more information on Hannah, you can follow her on Instagram at at Hannah Scavarla. And Scavarla is spelled S-K-V-A-R-L-A. If you liked what you heard, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend about the show. 
We will be back next Wednesday with another episode. Talk to you soon.